Yes, hello, folks. Welcome to a special episode of Beyond the Pitch. I'm your host, as always, Phil Byrne, joined with the fantastic Jonathan Johnson. Jonathan, of course, is CBS Parisian based analyst, uh, covers French football in great detail. I've had Jonathan on the show before. A fantastic journalist and always someone well placed to ask some deep questions that we're wondering about French football right now. So, Jonathan, thanks very much for taking the time to do this, mate. Thanks a lot for the invitation. Good to be back. Appreciate that, man. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to start with PSG and Pochettino, of course. That's what's been making the headlines over the last week or so. Um, <clears throat> we saw what happened against Real Madrid. We saw the fallout from that. The players got booed. First of all, let's start there. Um, because PSG are now becoming as famous for these incredible exits. You saw the Barcelona matches netted. And now, once again, the glorious failure against Real Madrid. Why did this happen? That's a really good question. I think it can simply be chalked up to collective mentality. Uh, I don't think that's to say that it can only be blamed on the players, uh, but it also can't only be blamed on the, the management staff either. It's, uh, you know, it's a collective failure on everybody's part uh, because they weren't well prepared enough, prepared by the past, but also prepared in the build-up for the game. Uh, you know, for this kind of scenario, I mean... It, it's it's mind-boggling, really, uh, even now, discussing this, given the way that PSG played. They dominated Real in the first leg, uh, and they were the better team for the first hour in the second leg. But to not only be two goals up, Kylian Mbappe scoring in both legs, uh, you know, but to throw that away inside of half an hour is just absolutely crazy. And it shows that despite the fact that we'd sort of been lured into a false sense of security these last couple of years, by seeing PSG go to the final of the Champions League uh, just after COVID, uh, also make it to the semi-finals last season where they got beaten by Man City, that actually really as a collective, not as much progress has been made as maybe people thought. Uh, you know, they're kind of back to square one um, and they still have this massive uh, mentality issue that they're going to have to deal with at some point. And that's made worse now by the fact that you have, uh, you know, a lot of different members uh, of this squad sort of at odds with each other because they don't blend well. Chemistry is as big a problem as it's ever been uh, in Paris. And, uh, you know, it showed on the pitch against Real and the, the, the fallout from that is that PSG season's over. They've gone out to the, the Coupe de France already. They were far enough ahead in the gun that, you know, dropping points against the likes of Monaco is not going to matter. So PSG are now sort of heading towards the end of this season, uh, playing sort of, you know, a set of glorified friendlies effectively until they finally are crowned Ligue 1 champions. Uh, you know, which is the absolute bare minimum uh, that PSG's ownership expects. So, you know, they've taken a massive uh, step backwards uh, with this, and not only in terms of the mentality, but also in terms of the project and their ambitions. Then becomes the question, who's responsible? It seems like the PSG fans are directing their anger towards Nasser Khalifa and Leonardo. Um, what's their feeling towards Pochettino? Do they feel that he... Uh, should be exculpated in this or do they feel that he is also accountable for what's going on? I don't think that they feel that he's beyond reproach. Uh, you know, I think they do think that he merits uh, some sort of responsibility, but they're also mindful that he's not the first uh, head coach to, to come to PSG and to struggle to impose himself. He, he almost certainly won't be the last. Uh, you know, and you've got guys like Leonardo calling the shots uh, you know, that kind of power struggle between Nasser Al-Halafi and, uh, and Leonardo is problematic, but we should also clarify that 
you know, when Leonardo returned to the club in 2019, it was because Al Halafi was uh, distracted by, uh, you know, some of his legal wrangles elsewhere. So he wasn't actually sort of hands on with PSG day to day. And it's sort of his return to the fray. Uh, you know, perhaps has upset a, a little bit of the power balance or the fact that Leonardo, uh, you know, sort of has not moved over, uh, you know, from those uh, almost kind of presidential powers, really, that he came into when he came back in 2019. So I think that there's definitely a lack of clarity in terms of the, the ownership and the fans are right to, uh, you know, demand, um, you know, that PSG be stronger as an institution. But also at the same time, there is a lot of fury directed towards the players um, and a feeling of frustration towards Pochettino. I think the fury towards guys like Neymar, like Messi, uh, is justified given that, you know, PSG fans were sold this dream last summer when PSG went out and signed Messi, signed all these players on free transfers, that it was the best transfer window ever that any club had pulled off. Yet, you know, we reached this point of the season, they've already gone out of the Champions League, they've gone out of the Coupe de France, uh, you know, and Lionel Messi has two league own goals. Uh, you know, Ramos, I don't think he's even started two matches in Liga, uh, you know, let alone get close to any goals. He has got a red card, though. Uh, but it's it's all very, very underwhelming. Uh, and, you know, I think that's where Pochettino comes back into the equation. His return to PSG over the last 18 months or so has been underwhelming. The ex-player, the former captain, returning to the club. Uh, and this sort of passion that fans had been led to believe, uh, you know, he, he had within him has never really shown itself because he spoke a number of times while he was still coach of Tottenham uh, saying how he'd love to go and coach PSG one day and when that opportunity finally arrived he didn't move his life to Paris to, to fully commit to the job um, he made little to no effort uh, to speak French uh, you know to, to brush off the cobwebs so most of his communication in press conferences with the players is in a mismatch of Spanish English French uh, you know, and that creates, a, you know, a, quite a weak line of communication uh, with everybody. So I think there's plenty of problems on all different levels of PSG at this moment. If you had to read Pochettino's time at PSG, would you say that um, his reputation has been enhanced by what's happened at PSG? Or would you say PSG is relatively unmanageable football club because of what goes on above Pochettino's head? So it's difficult to evaluate him. How would you read his time at PSG? I have to say that I think that his stock has dropped uh, since coming in as PSG coach. That said, I can also understand why some big clubs will not read too much into what's happened with PSG just now. Uh, you know, because PSG do have previous in the Champions League with Remontada, uh, you know, with losing against uh, United, you know, that um, that capitulation didn't count against Thomas Tuchel ultimately when he got the Chelsea job. And I don't think the Real Madrid debacle will count uh, too strongly against Pochettino. However, what I do think will count against him uh, is the fact that a lot of big clubs are now going to have looked at the mess that he's been struggling with uh, at PSG and compare him to coaches that have come before him. You know, Unai Emery has bounced back, and although he wasn't a success with Arsenal, he's enjoyed success since with Villarreal. Thomas Tuchel has won the Champions League with Chelsea uh, and has spoken quite vocally about the struggles that he faced uh, at Chelsea. So now, whoever potentially hires Pochettino next knows that they're taking a risk because Pochettino is coming away from Paris with the absolute bare minimum of silverware, less 
than an Emery, less than a Tuchel, uh, you know, managed in uh, in their time. And I think I would be concerned if I was a decision maker for a big club looking at Pochettino, um, that despite the fact that silverware should be easier to acquire uh, with PSG, he still hasn't managed to, to rack it up. Uh, and, you know, I, I know that it's never ideal coming in mid-season as he did last campaign. But, uh, you know, the fact that PSG still have no identity 18 months on uh, is very worrying. And I don't think it can be simply chalked up to the fact that he has to accommodate guys like Mbappe, Messi, Neymar, uh, week in, week out. Let me ask you also about one of the other charges levelled against them is his inability to manage big players, keep a harmonious dressing room. When you look at, um, obviously, a lot of the divisions within the dressing room, depending on who you believe, there's supposed to be South American cliques, French-speaking cliques, this happens a lot. If you're a football club with similar problems, and I think you know what I'm talking about here, would you look at this and say, you know what, if he's unable to manage this here, should we really be looking at um, you know, bringing him over here, given we have exactly the same problems? I mean, this is a big assumption that the decision makers of the club are recognising that there's a problem. Uh, but, you know, if, if that is their line of thinking, then I think, um, you know, it's definitely something that they would have to bear in mind, um, you know, when considering Pochettino as a potential uh, new coach. I mean, I think, you know, like I said earlier, he does still have quite a high stock in the Premier League from what he's done in the past. But... You're right uh, in that there are, uh, you know, certain clubs that have almost identical problems uh, to PSG. Uh, I know that certain players are expected to, to move on uh, at the end of this season, same in Paris as, as, as it is, uh, you know, with, uh, with, with, with clubs in the Premier League. But I do think that Pochettino's performance with these big star names uh, you know, leaves a bit uh, a bit to be desired. I don't think that too many of these players will feel like he has really brought them on uh, and developed them uh, as as well as he could have. I mean, in many ways, you look you look at uh, Kylian Mbappe, for example, who will probably leave PSG at the end of this season as his contract expires. What, what what's his legacy going to be in Paris? Uh, you know, what has Pochettino helped him to achieve over these last eighteen months? Uh, and I think the answer is is very little. Uh, you know, and this was really sort of the last 18 months for Mbappe to achieve that mission that he set himself when, uh, when when he arrived. So now he's facing a dilemma of whether he needs to stay on, perhaps see who PSG move for next uh, and how the project evolves uh, or move on sort of being unfulfilled because this chapter with Pochettino uh, has not gone uh, according to plan at any level, really. It would appear that Paul Pogba is probably going to go to PSG. Um, I'm pretty, uh, and I know for a fact that Manchester United have resigned themselves that one he is leaving 100. percent um, Do you think that's a smart move for both Pogba and PSG? I mean, I really think it depends on what comes next in the PSG project. Is it a smart move going to PSG if absolutely nothing changes between now? Uh, and when his contract expires, no, I don't. But I also think that the pressure is such, uh, you know, that change will be made. Uh, we'll have to wait and see exactly what that is. But, you know, I think that there is a, a strong argument or a strong developing argument that PSG would benefit more 
from looking under their own noses, the talent that comes through in Paris, the city, and within France as a, as, as a country as a whole. Uh, and obviously Pogba is one of the great examples of top Parisian talent that has managed to, to, to work his way uh, you know, to the international stage where he's now an extremely influential figure. The question is, are, is PSG's current squad French enough for sort of him mm. to feel sort of in the same vibe as he is when he's with the French national team? Because we, we've discussed this before. Paul Pogba is a completely different guy when he's with the French national yes. team to when he's with uh, Manchester United. Uh, you know, he becomes more mature. He takes on that extra responsibility. Uh, and you see, you know, everything that Paul Pogba can be yeah. uh, in the way that he performs and the way that he behaves. But PSG is not the same concentrated environment that Didier Deschamps fosters uh, with the French national team. So I think that PSG now have a really uh, big decision to make in terms of both who the head coach is and who should be forming the the sporting project, because ultimately those kind of decisions uh, are going to dictate the atmosphere that somebody like a Paul Pogba might find himself in if he decides to sign with PSG. Uh, let me ask you about another young man that's making the headlines across Europe right now. Of course, another young Monaco starlet, uh, Chouamani, I hope I'm saying that correct. Uh, he is someone that a lot of European clubs have looked at really like. I don't see enough of French football to be able to read him. How highly do you rate this kid? Very highly. Um, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's you know very close to being a complete uh, player. Uh, I think he's got a, a, a fantastic future ahead of him. Uh, he kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, the, 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 the Bakayoko situation a couple of years ago when he was snapped up and expected to sort of be the next dominant midfielder. Never really happened. You know, we've seen him rebound a bit after Chelsea uh, in Italy. But for me, Chiamini is he's got a greater skill set uh, and I think his potential seeding is much higher. So for me, I'm, I'm definitely expecting him to be on the move this summer. Uh, I know that uh, Monaco will be uh, listening to offers uh, from the 50 million euro mark upwards. Uh, you know, and I think in terms of his potential, the player that he is now, uh, you know, being a senior French international uh, and on the verge of being a regular in, in Didier Deschamps selections, uh, I think that he is worth uh, that, that sort of price tag. So it wouldn't surprise me that the biggest clubs in Europe are looking at him. I know that Real Madrid have been linked with him, a host of Premier League clubs. Uh, PSG's name has been thrown in there as well, although I don't see him staying in France at this moment in time. Uh, but no, I, I really I really do rate him highly uh, and I think that whoever manages to land him this summer is getting an absolute gem. One last question. I want to ask you about Bordeaux, sitting bottom of the French League. Uh, Explain to me the ownership, though, because it seems like someone's given Gerard Lopez money again to run a football club previously, Lona. Uh, Bordeaux, of course, how long have they been in, in Liga and for? Um, and uh, it looks like they're in big, big trouble. What's going on there? Yeah, decades. I mean, Bordeaux yeah. are a French footballing institution. Uh, you know, to, to even consider Liga without Bordeaux is very, very difficult. But Bordeaux, unfortunately, have been sort of living this slow death the last couple of years uh, and unfortunately um, you know sort of the wrong ownership deals have led them now to this situation where the the, the current backers uh, you know uh, Fortress the messy situation with King Street as well they're, they're basically looking 
to recoup the money that's been invested. Uh, and Gerard Lopez, after he got kicked out of Lille, uh, was, was looking for a place to rebound. And he is the man who's been entrusted with this mission to basically uh, you know, put Bordeaux back on a stable financial footing. As we know, because we're having this conversation, it's not going well at all. Although <laughs> rock bottom of Ligue 1 uh, and looking very likely to drop down to Ligue 2. But it's not quite as simple as that because a relegation for Bordeaux in their current situation and their financial state wouldn't, wouldn't just be down to Ligue 2. Uh, you know, you've got a lot of changes coming up on the, the French footballing horizon uh, in the very near future. Uh, you've got a commercial subsidiary setting itself up, which is designed to bail out uh, the clubs uh, affected by COVID and the media pro TV rights failure. Uh, you've got changes in Ligue 1 from the 20-team league that we know at the moment to an 18-team league, which will then be followed the season after by Ligue 2. Uh, and if Bordeaux were to go down, they were already relegated administratively last summer uh, and then were basically uh, reprieved. That will not happen this year. It's already been said that there will be no reprieves for any team found to be in financial difficulty. So Bordeaux, even if they survive somehow the drop in, in Ligue 1, they could still be found uh, you know, to be uh, insufficiently funded uh, and relegated. And when they get relegated, it won't be down to Ligue 2. It'll be down to semi-professional level in the best case scenario, which would be the third tier. And to have Bordeaux there, is unthinkable. And you look at the scenes at the moment, it's extremely sad. Uh, you know, you've got the, the fans uh, and the ownership and the players all at odds with each other, nobody pulling together. Uh, I, I struggle to know why uh, David Guillon, who is a coach I have a lot of time for, I rate him very highly from what he did with Hans, I don't know why he put his name to this project. Uh, you know, when you look at similarly messy situations like the one in Saint-Étienne, you know, that's a walk in the park compared to what's going on at yeah. Bordeaux at the moment. And unfortunately, uh, unless something happens, uh, you know, some sort of miracle happens, uh, you know, Bordeaux will be going down and probably going further down than many people expect. That is such a tragic story, it really is. Uh, Jonathan, as always, mate, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Always, an, always a pleasure, always very interesting. And uh, hopefully get you back again soon. Take it easy, mate. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks a lot for having me on. Take care and speak soon. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Jonathan.